This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 22. And in the last podcast, we broke down a parable that Jesus had told to the religious leaders and the Pharisees in particular about the king who was having this wedding feast and he sends out these invitations only to be rejected two times. And he finally, after he burns the town down, and goes out, he sends his servants out to go and just invite anybody that they can, both good and bad. He finally has the wedding feast, but there was this one guest who stood out like a sore thumb because he wasn't wearing the proper wedding attire. And after the king tries to have a discussion with him, the man, he just sat there in silence. He couldn't give an answer as to why he wasn't wearing the proper clothes for that wedding feast. And he's kicked out. Uh, of the wedding feast away from the king and Jesus in that parable he's he's referring to these religious leaders that he's having this discussion with because they keep rejecting him and and even though they should have known who Jesus was that he is the Messiah that he fit the bill because they, they knew the law they they knew what they were looking for but they couldn't see it in Jesus. And even though Jesus continued to put them in their place, if you will, uh, it did not affect them one bit. They just kept on going back over and over again because they uh, they insist that they know what God wants better than God himself. J- Jesus is God in the flesh, and they're just going to continue to challenge Jesus over and over and over again, and they just continue to keep getting destroyed by Jesus. But in a few days, because Jesus has entered in Jerusalem, he's in their territory now, and within a few days, they're going to use one of Jesus' own 12 disciples. They're going to get inside the camp, if you will, and they're going to pay Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus, and they're going to get exactly what they wanted. In just a few days, he's going to be crucified on that Roman cross and be put in a tomb for three days, and he's going to come out alive on that Sunday morning. Now, uh, since they can't get enough of Jesus, and they can't get enough of getting beaten down, they're going to challenge him once again, and this time... Uh, they're going to use the Roman government to do so. And they're going to send some higher-ups, some people that belong to Herod, uh, as well as some of their disciples to Jesus, because they're wanting to arrest Jesus as soon as they could. They're trying to shut him down, and they cannot do it. So this is what Matthew writes in Matthew 22, 15-22. It says, The Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. And they sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Now listen to this flattery. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial, and you don't play favorites. See that flattery there? Now, since you're, you're just so awesome, Jesus, tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. 
And when they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, Matthew says, and they went away. But did you notice the flattery? I tried to point it out to you. But they, the, the flattery that these people approach Jesus with, they're just buttering him up big time, thinking, hey, we're going to nail this guy. We, we're going to get him this time. We're going to prove to everybody that he is not the Messiah. See, and, and this is what they did over and Instead of just falling in line and realizing that he is the Messiah, that he is the one they've been looking for for hundreds of years that the prophets have prophesied about, over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. And, and they knew the scriptures, but they didn't know God. They thought they knew God, but they did not know God. He's standing right before their very eyes, and they're arguing with him over and over and over again. And this time, they think they've got him. But they come up to him, and they're using all this flattery just so they can butter him up to try to nail him, right? Teacher, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial. You don't play favorites. Now, hey, tell us about what what you think about this idea. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And when they didn't realize, or what they didn't realize was that Jesus is God in the flesh. And Jesus already knew why they were there. He already knew what the question was before they even asked it. In fact, Jesus would already know when they had gathered in their little group and come up with this scheme, this little plan here, to butter him up and... and, and and flatter him, and then lower this boom on him, trying to trap him. Jesus knew when they had gathered together as a group and was having this discussion, because God knows everything. We can't hide anything from God, and Jesus has proven over and over and over. We've discussed it in these podcasts and breaking down the Gospels and the book of Acts and the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh, and he knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. We cannot hide from God. Flat, period. That's point blank. That's it. And they think they are smarter than God. They think they can get one over on God. And this is what they're trying to do. And, And so their desire is to trip him up and have him arrested. But once again, they're going to be put in their place. They just don't get it. They don't learn their lesson. They will hear it in a few minutes, as we'll see at the end of the podcast. But this conversation goes something like this. Hey, Jesus says, got a coin on you? And the religious leaders are like, oh, yeah, I got a coin. Here you go. Let me get it out of my pocket. Here you go. Jesus says, let me see it for a second. And he, hand, he hands Jesus the coin. Jesus looks at the coin for a second, and he holds up the coin. And he says, hey, whose image is on this coin? Jesus knows whose image is on that coin. But he wants them to answer it. And, and, and so he says, Who, whose image is on this coin? And they say, Caesar's. And Jesus says, okay. So if this coin belongs to Caesar, hey, then just pay Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give God what belongs to God. Now you would think they would, since they're there to trap Jesus, they would have this awesome comeback, but they can't. They can't say anything. There's like, duh. Because they, they weren't expecting the answer that Jesus 
gave them. And they're looking around at each other and they're like, uh, what do we do now? Well, they can't do anything. They can't say anything. And so all they can do is just turn around and leave and go back where they came from. They go back to their little group and they, they walk away. And they could not accomplish the task that they came there to do. The same day, Matthew says, some Sadducees. You got the Pharisees and you got the Sadducees. The Pharisees believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And Paul uses this later on uh, against one another when he when he got um, in some trouble and got arrested. And he used it as a way of escape because he got the two sides fighting against one another. And, uh, and you can read that on your own. Uh, but here's what Matthew writes about the Sadducees coming to Jesus in 23 through 33. He says, That same day Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. So here they are. They're trying to stump Jesus themselves. Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. This is what we call the Leverite marriage. It's found in De- Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. Well, suppose there are seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children, so his brother married the widow. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. And this continued with all seven of the brothers. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Did you catch that? Whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. <coughs> Excuse me. They don't believe in the resurrection. That, that's why they're a member of the sect of the Sadducees. Jesus replied to them, Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. That's a lot of people's mistakes, by the way. Your mistake is you don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But now... As to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, because you remember they don't believe in the resurrection, but yet that's the question they came to Jesus with. Whose, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? So Jesus, he answers their question, but then he puts a twist on it, as he always does, with, even with the Pharisees. He says, in this respect, they will be like angels in heaven, but now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about th- this in the scriptures? Long before, because they had the Old Testament scripture, you gotta remember that. They didn't have the New Testament that we have right now. They were writing it at the time, or living it, but they had Old Testament scriptures, and that's what Jesus refers to. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were the, the, the forefathers of the Jews, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living. And not the dead. Because see, it's present tense. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living and not the dead. When the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. So these these Sadducees were defeated before they ever approached Jesus. They asked him a question about the resurrection when they don't even believe there's going to be a resurrection. And Jesus caught on to their scheme immediately, and he makes them look like idiots in front of this huge crowd. 
And what's amazing to me is how people think they are smarter than God and can take him on, even to this very day. I mean, think about this. The devil who was, create, who was a created being by God, right? He was once in heaven. He tried to take on God several times. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. And then when Jesus came on the earth and was God in the flesh, and he's walking on the earth, and Jesus was baptized by John the bab- baptizer, In the Jordan River, what happens to Jesus? He was immediately taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Even the devil has tried to take on God and try to take on Jesus himself and lost every time. And guess what? Every time that we think we're smarter than God and we try to take on God, We're going to lose every time. Every time. I don't understand. Why why do we, as people, think that we are smarter than God? He is the creator. We are the creation. He created us. We're just dirt that he breathed into. He formed dirt, and he breathed into the dirt, and it became alive. Adam. And then he took a rib from Adam and made a woman. He is the creator. We are the creation. Our little old minds can't even fathom, begin to fathom, who God is and what he's really like. That's why we have his word, so we can kind of get a glimpse into heaven into who God is and what he's done for us. And that's why Jesus had to come and, and walk this earth for three to three and a half years because he was God in the flesh. He, he came down. He, was, he even claims, he says, I am the image of God. Because uh, it was Thomas, I believe in John 14, who says, show us the Father and we'll understand. It'll be sufficient. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, I am God in the flesh. I am revealing God to you. And that's why in Hebrews 1, the Hebrew author says, God has spoken to us in these last days through his Son. That's why John writes in John 1 that that Jesus was there in the flesh, God in the flesh. He says we could reach out and touch him. We talked to him. We ate fish with him. You know, we, we did all of these cool things with God in the flesh. We are the creation. He is the creator. All the, I mean, just, just think about how, I mean, I'm using my cell phone uh, to record right now, so I can't, uh, I, I've got the iPhone 13 Pro. That, that The cameras on that thing, the phone, it's amazing. When, when I was in junior high, is when Apple first came out with a computer and it had a big old eight and a half inch floppy disk. It didn't hold hardly anything on it. And I remember a game called Karateka where you had to try to, you, you, you did a bunch of karate and you fought the bad guys and you try to rescue the princess if you were good enough to get there and defeat the bad guys and, and rescue her. And, and then I remember when the Atari came out and, and, and the graphics on the Atari back then, we just thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, it was great. It was little stick people running around fighting. Boop, 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 boop. 
you know, like Berserk. Remember Berserk? The guy walked, and then they held up a gun, and and you know, you try to defeat the bad guy. But now you look at graphics on our games. I mean, the computer, the our phones can hold so much information. I mean, it's like terabytes of information now. But my point is, and telling you all of that stuff, getting carried away there, is that all the wisdom that man can muster and hey we're smart technology's come a long way man has come a long way you know we no longer move rock into oh they're fire no we we have a vocabulary and that vocabulary is growing and we have all these different languages and people can learn other people's man is smart god has truly blessed us but if you take all the wisdom of man and put it all together, it is nothing but foolishness compared to God. And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. He says, stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. These Sadducees learned the hard way that God is much wiser than they are. And unfortunately... There's a lot of people in our day, today, in 2023, that's going to learn this lesson the hard way. Y'all out there who are just living utterly sinful lives in the face of God and giving God the middle finger, the bird, and, and just think you're going to live the way you want. Yeah, you can live the way you want to. You can go dress as a woman if you want to. You, you can go dress as a man if you want to. You, you can call yourself a cat. You can do whatever you want to. God's going to let you do that. And that's your prerogative. That, that's your decision. That's your choice. But just know and understand that there is going to be a day of reckoning when you will stand, or you will bow, rather, before the throne of God. And you're going to see... That what we've been trying to tell you all this time for 2,000 years, that it's real. That He's real. And if you don't repent of your sins before you die and be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's going to be too late for you. And you're going to be removed from God's presence for eternity. And you're going to be living in darkness. You're going to be living in a hell and you don't have to worry about the flames. That's that's going to be the mild part of hell. But knowing that you are uh, that you have rejected Jesus and what He's done for you on the cross, in that empty tomb, that's going to eat you alive. Knowing that you never have another opportunity to be with God, that you rejected Him. Learn your lesson while you have an opportunity. Know that. Hey, God's going to let you do what you do. And, he, he, and Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1. He's turned us over to a reprobate mind because he, he knows how stubborn people are. And he's, Paul even says they even created new ways to sin. We see that all the time. And now with social media, it's just blasted everywhere. 
And it, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing, and it's nasty, and it's sickening. And then we have governments that are protecting these sick individuals who are just you know just giving God the business is all I, I don't know how else to put it and and they call it wisdom and God is saying you're all the wisdom you can muster is just foolishness to me but just know that there's a day coming you're going to find out that everything that we've been trying to tell you is absolutely 100% true whether you believe it or not now you keep doing what you want to do because obviously that's the choice you're making but just know there's consequences to those choices that you make and that I make. You can fill in the blank with whatever sin you want to. I just pointed some out that's happening in our day and time right now. But these Sadducees, they learned the hard way. And unfortunately, people even today in 2023, they're going to learn the hard way as well. There's going to be a rude awakening someday and it's going to be Way too late. Let's move on. So Jesus has put the Sadducees in his place. He's put the Pharisees in their place. But guess what? The Pharisees can't get enough of it. They're going to come back one more time. This is going to be the last time, as we'll see in just a minute. They get wind that Jesus has shut down the Sadducees. But they're going to try to give it one more shot. They're like us. They're hard-headed and they're stubborn. And they can't get enough of the embarrassment, I don't guess. So this time they're going to send an expert, in quotation marks, in religious law. And surely this expert can trap Jesus and stump him so they can show the whole world that he's not the Messiah. And they can arrest him and get rid of him. And this is what Matthew says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus answers the expert's question. You know, what, what's, the, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? All the law, what's the most important? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes it a step further because he knows that the Pharisees don't practice what he's about to say. He says, so I've given you your answer. I've given you the first and the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But the second law is just as equally as important. Now, can't you just see the look on their faces? If they're thinking, uh-oh, what, what's he doing? What's he going to say? And Jesus says, all right, I've told you your answer. The, the, the most important commandment in the law of Moses is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But the second is just as important. And the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says the entire law, the entire law, all of it, the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Pentateuch, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets. So you got all the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, and then you got all the demands of the prophets. Every book that the prophets wrote in the Old Testament, a lot of them, 
It demands, uh, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments are the most important. Not just the one. These two, you Pharisees. In other words, y'all seem to have the first one down pat, but you're not doing the second one. You say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. You think you're better than everybody. You, 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 don't, you look down your noses at all these people who respect you. But just know that the first is just as important as the second, and the second is just as important as the first. And so what Jesus does, he doesn't stop there. He turns the table on the Pharisees. Now picture this in your mind, what Matthew says in verse 41. He says, Then surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. So you can see all these Pharisees, they're circled around Jesus, and they're, they're, it's like they just want to pounce on him. They want to get him. And Jesus knows that. And so he's surrounded by these Pharisees that just asked him this question, thinking, hey, we're going to get him this time. But they didn't. And Jesus turns the table on them. He says, let me ask you a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whoa, that, that's huge. Because Jesus knows he's the Messiah. And he knows that they've been rejecting him for three to three and a half years. And they, he knows that they're about to crucify him. And he says, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? That's that's Oh, that's slapping him in the face. That's huge. He's backing him into a corner. And they replied, he is the son of David. And Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Peter's going to use that verse later on in Acts chapter 2. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, Jesus says, how can the Messiah be his son? And guess what? Matthew says nobody, in verse 46, nobody could answer Jesus. And get this, Matthew says, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This shut them up for good. They finally learned their lesson. Time and time and time again, they would come to Jesus in the, in a span of three years, three and a half years since Jesus started his ministry when he was baptized by John the baptizer in the Jordan River. They have challenged Jesus over and over again, and he would put them in their place. He disposed, exposed, not disposed, but he exposed their hearts, their hard hearts, and how their hearts were not right in the sight of God. They had everybody fooled. That's why he would call them hypocrites because they would play this religious game, but they their hearts were far from God. They had so much Bible knowledge. They wore these phylacteries on their foreheads and on their on their forearms. And the bigger these boxes of Bible scriptures were, was how smart, you know, the bigger the boxes, the smarter they were, the more scriptures they knew. And and they would look the part and the people would say, oh, listen to their prayers. Listen to how beautiful their prayers are. And they're just sitting there repeating the same thing over and over and over again. That's why Jesus says, hey, don't pray like they do. Because they just pray in repetition. And, and, and they're looking. Jesus gives the example of the Pharisee and, and uh, the sinner who is in the temple. And the, the 
Pharisee sinner, I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here and I, I pay my tithe and I, I pray like this and I do all these great things unlike this sinner over here. Uh, and, and the sinner's over there beating on his chest and he wouldn't even look up to God because he didn't feel himself to be worthy. And these Pharisees, their, their hearts were just far from God and Jesus has exposed them over and over and over and over again. But they kept coming back for more. But now it's done. They're not coming back to Jesus to question him ever again. But however... They would be able to find a way to get to Jesus and have him crucified. And that's because they're going to they're gonna use one of Jesus' own disciples. They're going to get inside Jesus' camp. They're going to pay Judas, who loved money. He was the treasurer of the group, and he was stealing money from the disciples. John points that out in his gospel. And they're going to offer him 30 pieces of silver. And Judas is going to jump on it. I don't think Judas realized that they were going to kill Jesus. I don't think he realized that they were going to take Jesus and beat the tar out of him. Isaiah says that he was beaten so bad in Isaiah 52 that you wouldn't even recognize that he was even a man. And then he's put on a cross, nailed to a cross, and he's put on public display for six hours from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. Then he finally dies. And they had to get him off the the cross and put him in a tomb within a three-hour window by 6 o'clock because uh, the Passover was going to start, and at 6 o'clock the, uh, the Sabbath started. So they had to be get all that done and be home and be settled to observe the Sabbath before 6 o'clock. And Judas, after doing that, he just went out and hung himself because he could, he could not face the fact that he had betrayed Jesus like he did. And the disciples, they're all in disarray and they, they're all freaking out. They're, they lock themselves in a room because they're scared to death. They're full of fear and they're afraid they're going to be next. But then Sunday comes. You know, they had all day Saturday wondering what in the world is going on. Saturday night. And then Sunday morning comes and that tomb, the stone is rolled away. And they discover that Jesus is not there. He's gone. He has risen. And that's what we celebrate as Easter. The, 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 the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn your lesson while you still have time. That Jesus is who He says He is. He is God in the flesh. He is the Messiah. He is that Passover lamb that was sacrificed for your sins and my sins, for everybody's sins. And he sends out this invitation to come and join him so that someday you can be with him and we can be with him for eternity. And we can't even fathom what that's going to be like. But we have his word. And from Genesis to Revelation, from Old Testament to New Testament, Jesus is all through it. And it's a love story of how much God loves us and how He loves us so much that He, John 3, 16, that He would send His Son to die in our place, that His Son would pay the price for our sins. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be washed white, that we can put on that pure white linen, that wedding garment. 
that when that wedding feast comes and the church, the bride, is is united with the groom, we can be a part of it. All because of what Jesus did for us. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I I, want to help you get there. And if you're not local, I can find out where you are. You can let me know and I can find somebody in your area that will tell you what you need to do to give your life to Christ and to start following Jesus. If you're ready to make that decision, contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or at the end of the podcast, uh, during the outro, I'll give a a number, a cell phone number that you can text me. Contact me, please. And let's have a conversation. Come to your senses, O wise one, while you have a chance. Because all the wisdom you think you have is nothing but foolishness to God. What better to learn that now while you still have breath in your lungs and a heartbeat than to wait until you are dead and you cross over into eternity and you're standing before a loving Savior. And he has to tell you, I'm sorry, you rejected my invitation. You rejected me. Now you have to leave my presence for eternity. Please, make the decision today to follow Christ. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.